Michelle Bell with ASI Media, and I am here with um, Jeremy Parker and Josh Orbach from Swag.com, which is this company that, that was brought to my attention, super cool, that I'm just kind of obsessed with. And when I rant, as I do to many people, about how this industry kind of really doesn't get what a true e-commerce platform is and what it can do and the potential behind it, this is what I'm talking about. These guys have figured it out. And I love, 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 like I said, kind of obsessed. So I managed to cajole them. They haven't really done much press. They really don't know anyone in the industry. They're not kind of ingrained, which yet another thing I love about them is that they're kind of on the outside and they figured this out on their own, which I think is super impressive. So I'm gonna ask them a couple questions, put them on the hot seat a little bit just to see where they got their start. So welcome guys. So we have Josh and Jeremy. Hi. Thank you so much for having us. Really, really great to be here. We are pumped. <laughs> so just for everybody who doesn't know you guys personally, um, just give me a little bit of background about what prompted you to start Swag.com. Sure, so I guess I'll start. I used to be a, a documentary filmmaker in college, and I was really interested in telling stories through video. And after I graduated college, I tried to figure out, well, what's my first job going to be? So I started a t-shirt company, and it was a high-end t-shirt company called Tees and Tats. And it got me on the radar. Now, I launched this t-shirt company at the worst time you could possibly launch a high-end t-shirt. It was in 2007, so it was right around the recession. Uh, right so during the recession. Exactly. All the stores we were selling to went, went bankrupt, and it was very challenging to sell those t-shirts. Um, and I, I don't want to bore you guys, but it kind of took this long journey of I wrote to Mark Cuban, who was one of my favorite entrepreneurs at the time. I was following him, and I said, I started this T-shirt company. These are the issues. And I tied the price of my T-shirts to the price of the Dow Jones. So for every 100 points the Dow dropped, we would give a discount on their T-shirt price. And it was a little kitschy, a little bit gimmicky, but it really started to take off. And Mark Cuban loved the idea, and he wrote about me in his blog, which ultimately got seen by Ad Age and the it kind of led me down this path where I met the CEO of MV Sport, Elliot Pizer. So I met MV Sport, Elliot, and MV Sport is in the promotional product space. And we hit it off and we became friendly. And I ultimately ended up running a business under MV Sport called Vote for Art. And we did collegiate licensed apparel. We made like college licensed apparel cool again. And I would go to all these different trade shows and I would see the promotional product experience. And frankly, I saw how broken, old, and fragmented the industry was. It was very reliant on back and forth emails and phone calls to close sales and catalogs and all these kind of antiquated processes to do business. And I thought that there had to be a better way. It had to be a better experience. Fast forward 10 years, did a lot of other startups, but I was always just really trying. I always just love the promotional space. There's something really amazing about the power of promotional products and what it really does to bring teams together and to connect teams. So, I was always interested, did the industry change in any way? And when I realized that the industry is only getting better, it's only getting bigger, uh, but it's still very reliant on fragmented ways of doing business, I thought that we could real, really build the right platform for today's buyer. And so we started Swag.com about six years ago. So you started six years ago. You guys are young, certainly by industry standards. So Jeremy, you are 36. Yep. Josh, you're 35. 35, yep. So you started it, you know, six years ago. So you were both in your late 20s, um, right at 30. So let me ask you this. You know, it's interesting to me that, um, first of all, Jeremy, very smart of you to your first entity to tie it to the Dow Jones average. Very clever, because that's definitely something that would get a lot of buzz. 
and very smart marketing on your part. So it's interesting to me that when you started that entity, it was right at the recession. And now here you are, you guys are in the midst of another, you know, once in a lifetime situation. How has swag.com, which is a, a completely online entity, right? Um, well, let me ask you this first. So Josh, give everybody a little bit of background. Like, do you guys have any brick and mortar? If, in terms of swag.com? So no, we're, we're fully digital, we're fully e-commerce. Our whole concept is to make the user experience very seamless for customers so that, you know, sort of like how you shop for everything else e-commerce, we wanted people to have the same experience, even though the industry is so complex, we wanted to take that seamless experience that you would get from shopping, let's say on Amazon for regular products, apply it to promo where there's all the complexities. Everything's online, everything's automated, everything feels seamless from the customer's perspective, but obviously there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes. You know, to listen to you say it, Josh, it sounds so easy, yet I know it isn't because here's why I know I've been in the industry almost 25 years and very few companies have been able to do it well. And again, you know, when I kind of found you guys completely by happenstance, it really struck me that, wow, these guys got it. They figured it out. So, Jeremy, let me ask you, here we are in the middle of a global pandemic for the past 18 months. People are sheltering at home. You know, people, but people, you know, employers want to keep in touch with their employees. How how did your business respond to that? So meaning, did you see an uptick because people still wanted to stay engaged with clients, employees, and your platform was the good way to do it because everything was online? I'm curious how you guys weathered the past 18 months. Yes, yeah, so it was actually really interesting and it was frankly scary at, at some points. Um, you know, when February came around, this is right before the pandemic, our sales were better than ever. And we were really excited for 2020. Um, March comes, the pandemic hits, and all the all of our core business kind of went away in many ways for March. You know, office managers are no longer buying swag for the office because no one's in the office. And HR managers are no longer hiring people, so they're not because everyone's you know nervous. There's no events, so people are not buying swag for all these. So on the surface, it was very scary, and and our sales, you know, our sales went from over 800,000 a month to 350,000 a month in March. It was it fell off a cliff, and it was yeah. very dangerous and very scary. But we always knew that when people are disconnected, swag is the unifier. It brings people together. So we went all in. We weren't like you know hiding. We said from March, we're just gonna go all in on our distribution platform because we know that if everyone is dispersed and everyone is scared, everyone's disconnected. Swag can really build, bring that team together, keep that company culture thriving, even when no one's in the office. So we, we changed up our landing pages, our messaging, our copy, our ads. Everything had to be really positioned on engage with your remote team, engage with your remote, uh, you know, your best customers, you know, send swag to your leads to close sales. All the different aspects of, of what swag can really do, we had to really push and go all in. And by the end of the year, we actually more than doubled our previous year. So what we initially came in the year thinking we're gonna do 14 million, we broke 15 and a half million in a pandemic year. And now we're on track to do over 30 million this year. So congratulations for that. <laughs> so because you guys exist completely online and I know that you guys are kind of, no offense, but like kind of data nerds and you do deep dives into the, the analytics, I'm assuming that you were able to see a bump in the way people were ordering with the kidding. I, mm -hmm. I mean, were you able to see that people, uh, you know, almost immediately were bundling things and sending them out to multiple places? And I'm sure you guys were able to handle that as far as your platform. Yeah, I think what, what we saw, especially during the pandemic, and this is kind of 
part of really what we're, we're excited about when we sell swag is to help other companies build their own brands and teams and culture. Um, so what we saw in the pandemic, especially when it was fragmented, there was a big need for companies to really feel that culture within because everyone was so dispersed. Um, so a lot of the business that we did was were these kits that were going out to employees at other companies that were basically, you know, somebody orders, let's say there's a thousand people on the team and they distribute a thousand boxes to everyone at their homes. Everyone opens them up and it kind of gives everyone kind of the sense of culture within their company. Um, so yeah, so that's that's kind of what we were excited about. And with that, when you're sending gifts to employees, you don't want to just send like, here's like a t-shirt. So normally people would, you know, curate and send, you know, three to five items in a box to kind of make it like this whole unboxing experience and exciting for the employees. Yeah. yeah. I would say even additional, like when we were in, two, so we started this platform in 2017. So it wasn't a reactionary thing of there's a pandemic, everyone's dispersed, let's build a distribution platform. So we've been, this has been in the works for over two years. And the reason why we initially started this distribution platform is because we talked to our customers. Pretty much every single thing that we build, and we say about 90% of the stuff that we build is coming directly from our customers telling us that this is what they want. So when we're really in tune with our customers and they're saying to us in 2017, a lot more of our employees are working from home. We want to engage with them. We're like, well, that makes sense. Now it would be amazing for our platform. You could buy a thousand t-shirts and send it to your office or a thousand t-shirts and send it to a thousand different addresses. Like how can we make that entire process really simplified and streamlined? And it's complex and there's integrations at the fulfillment centers and there's kidding and there's boxing and there's shipping and there's all these other things that are beyond the regular e-commerce experience that we had to figure out. But when the pandemic hit, we had it in place. It was already ready to go. So we were in many ways fortunate that we had the solution that was able to solve a lot of people's problems. Sure. So you two are both physically based in New York. Is that correct? Yeah. Even yep. though Swag.com is is uh, lives online, but you're both based in New York. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. Um. So how does if you were to describe it in a non-proprietary way, how does Swag.com differ from other online entities living in this space in promo? Yeah. So I think there's a couple of things. I think number one, we make the experience for buying swag. In my opinion, obviously, um, the, the most simple and streamlined experience. You easily find what you're looking for. You can upload your design. Our system detects how many colors are in the design in the nearest panto match. So we're making sure we're printing Coca-Cola red, not Staples red, right? And they, they can mock it up really simply and check out, literally in less than three minutes. During the checkout flow, they're given two options. Do they want to send it to their office, which is the traditional e-commerce experience, or do they want to send it to multiple addresses? If they select to send it to multiple addresses, we will hold their swag in our fulfillment center for warehousing distribution. You can think of it as like an online swag closet. So they could have a closet for the marketing team, which only gives access to the marketing people or, the, or a closet for the sales team or the London office or the New York office. They could break it down by department, by budget, by location, permission settings, approval flows. So we built this whole huge platform that's really automated, completely free we're giving to the customers. And we're saying, However you want to manage your swag, we built it for you. If you have the addresses of your recipients, simply upload your CSV file. We'll calculate the shipping in real time. You pay for it and we ship it worldwide. If you don't have the recipient's address, let's say you have a trade show and you have everyone's email address, but you don't know where they live, you don't know what t-shirt size they are, you don't know really any information, but you want to engage with them and say, thanks so much for stopping by, you could create a giveaway landing page in seconds, upload your logo, Facebook logo, Facebook colors, create a landing page in seconds, blast it out to all of your recipients. They could select three of the five products, five of the seven products, input their address or t-shirt size, all speaks to our system and distributes it. So we just try to take out all the complexities, all of the internal packaging up yourselves and shipping it out 
we handle it all for you and we do it for free. <laughs> That's the nice little cherry on the Sunday there, Jeremy. <laughs> we do it for free. Yeah, I mean, um, the platform itself is for free. Obviously, we, we have to charge for shipping and, and those kind of things. But in terms of the actual management platform, yep. it's an extension of our e-commerce site. That's how we think of it, you know? So okay. we try to make it really easy for customers. Yeah, just to well, add to that, like, yeah. I think what we're trying also to differentiate and what I think we do very well at is we want the experience for the customers to be curated and exclusive. So, for example, we want people to be confident whenever they're on our site that the quality of the products are going to be 100% and everyone on the team is going to be happy or however they're using it. Everyone that receives it is going to be fully happy with the quality. And we do very extensive testing on the quality of our products to make sure that happens. And then the other aspect of that is we have brands that no one else can get. And the reason why we're able to get them is just because we present the brands in a way that some of the brands are very high end and they don't want to have their them associated with kind of like a, a schlocky looking site. Sure. So we're very careful about um, presenting brands in a certain way. And because of that, we have access to certain brands that no one can get um, and, and they're kind of exclusive to us. That's great. Um, so let me ask you this. My, my belief, and I, I think I'm right, is that even before the pandemic, younger buyers, you know, they're just used to buying things online, right? They're, they're used to a more non-traditional buying, buying situation. Certainly the pandemic has kind of pushed that forward where now, you know, most people are buying things online. You know, Amazon has seen, you know, a huge uptick and, you know, you guys know what shipping is like, you know, UPS and FedEx and everybody else is stretched so thin. Because of your analytics, I'm assuming you have a very good picture of who your buyer is. Are your buyers do the am I do they skew on the younger side? 100%. I think in general, I think the buyers of the industry are tending to skew on the younger side, and that was one of the reasons why we started the business and why we went all in on our e-commerce experience from day one. We weren't we didn't do outbound sales. All of our sales are inbound. It's 100% inbound and sell, very much self-service. We know this from talking to early customers, and just to get, bring you back to 2016. We spent the first year just talking to potential customers before we built one line of code. We didn't have the platform built and we didn't want to say, we know what the right solution for the, for the buyers are because we didn't. We want to learn from our customers, learn from people and say, well, who are the buyers? What, what do they like about the current buying experience? What do they hate before we even built anything? And what we noticed is the buyers really starting to turn to more of a millennial. And millennials want to do things very differently. They don't want to sift through thousands upon thousands of products. They would like to be given, here are the top 25, make it very curated and easy for them to digest. They don't want to speak to people on the phone. They don't want to look through catalogs. They would like to do it self-serve. You can make it very easy for somebody to check out in three minutes. They don't need to have a 30-minute, 40-minute conversation with somebody on the phone, four years or so back and forth emails. So mm -hmm. to really engage with who that current buyer is and then really figure out, well, what does our brand represent? How do we build a site that looks in the way that will appeal to today's buyers? What types of products do they like? What types of products are they gravitating towards? So every single decision that we made on our site that you see right now came from extensive conversations with customers and trying to learn what are they looking for and how can we build the right solution for them. Gotcha. And, and just to add to that, a big thing that people were looking for is kind of like the self-serve experience where they can really shop and do things on their own and research on their own without having to be kind of reliant on someone to hold their hand and 100 email threads back and forth and this cumbersome process that's very traditional in the industry. So, you know, one of the first things we wanted to do was, was build a site that we can really present the products in a way that you can browse and find what you're looking for, be confident in the quality, really just from, from online. And obviously, um, before you purchase, we, you know, we send samples and things like that. But it was really to kind of 
at least identify what you want in a way that's seamless versus spending. And we did things the old way in the beginning when we first started. Um, and it can take like a whole month before you just identify with the customer, the pricing and the products. And we just wanted to cut all that out so you can have that seamless experience. So what if I'm a buyer? Because I'm, you know, spoiler alert, a little bit older than a millennial. And I, I, I have some questions, though, because I think some of the, the if there's a, if there's a criticism of online buying, it's that there's never anyone that you can talk to if you have a question or you need help. Have you guys, do you guys run into that at all? Have you, do you, did you put in people that can, can answer questions of buyers? Yeah, yeah. I think that's a really good question. And I think that's, we wanted to give the experience where you can do that self-serve, also get the full support that you need. So we're very, very focused on customer service when it's wanted and needed versus pushing it down your throat and selling. So we have a chat, you can chat every page you go on it can open up with an intercom and you can chat with our team. We have, you know, we basically put, put enough resources so that if there's as many chats as that come on, we can, we can make sure to handle it. Um, and we really want to, you know, some customers, they just want a, le- a light touch point where they have a couple questions, they don't want to be bothered. And some customers want to go deeper so they can call in, they can chat in, and we make sure to give the full support as needed. Gotcha. Yeah, I think the, the mindset was most industry, most players in the industry are front load, let's do sales calls, let's do presentation yeah. decks. And our approach was pretty much the exact opposite. Our approach was self-serve, but if you need us, we're here to help you. And we have customers all the time who say, I would love a presentation deck because that's what they actually want. And we're here to design them a presentation deck. And we're here to, to get on the phone and, and give them a demo walkthrough. And we're here at all times. We can have hundreds of conversations with customers if they want it. But we have a lot of customers who don't want it. So we didn't want to push it as kind of like, this is the fact the way it should be. We want to give, make it really easy for them. And if they want extra support, we're here to help them in any way we can. Gotcha. Um, so let me ask you this during the, again, because you guys have such real time analytics, mm-hmm. what product trends did you see kind of bubble up that people were asking for that kind of took you by surprise that maybe were tied directly to the pandemic? Was there anything that kind of gave you guys pause and you said, huh, things are shifting a little bit from what would normally be our most popular search products to something that's different, definitely because we're in pandemic mode. Yeah, I think one of the things actually took off a lot that I didn't expect, and we actually added a section on our site for it, is work from home type of products. So products that you can envision a recipient getting that will actually make their experience at home better. So um, like a lot of sweatpants, a lot of loungewear, a lot of you know um, things for your desk to purify the airs, air purifiers or humidifiers, or a lot of those kind of products that employees employers can send to their employees and just show them that they care. I think at the, old, at the end of the day, swag is showing the people you're giving to, that you're in this with them, they are caring about them, they are thinking about them. So we're seeing a lot more thoughtful gifts. It's not just the standard of we're sending out a sweatshirt or a hat or a notebook. Mm-hmm. It's really more thoughtful products that are really going to be engaging uh, with the recipients. Now, we've had people give out coloring books because they're not giving it to the recipient, they're giving it to the recipient's children so that it's something that they can share with their family or puzzles or more of these at home, uh, more thoughtful. So I think people have gotten a lot more thoughtful and they needed to be more thoughtful during this period of time. So our, Josh, I'll throw this one to you. So sure. now that the, the pandemic, fingers crossed, is kind of waning, <laughs> um, are you seeing a, a recalibration of product interest? Like are things kind of shifting back to the more traditional types of swag that people want? Or is there kind of a change happening? Side note, 
Um, eco, is eco becoming more popular? Eco items, sustainability? Yeah. Yeah, so that's a good question. I think you know it matters with the use cases too. So for people that kind of are giving it out for their teams that are you know working either remotely or in the office now, um, people gravitate towards the premium quality products that might be a little bit more of a price tag, but are like a brand name or something that they know that their employees are going to get a lot of use out of. So instead of buying you know like a a, a t-shirt that's really crappy or a hat, that they'll spend more per item so that their employees are, are wowed and use it and feels quality. But I think what we're seeing is more gravitation towards the staples, like the water bottles, apparel, um, things that people, and we, we usually recommend these things because they get the most use out of it. And that's kind of kind of what we're all about is kind of not being wasteful and buying swag that people are actually gonna use as much as possible. So we really kind of push the quality um, items that are, are the most staple to um, people actually using it. And in terms of, sorry, the second part of the question was? About, I was curious, again, because your buyers are on the younger side, it's my belief that younger buyers in particular are driving the eco movement. Like they really are, and willing to put their yeah. money behind yeah. it, sustainability, products that are, you know, whether they're ethically sourced or, you know, a, a water bottle has a bamboo lid or there's some sustainable component to it that they're being mindful of what what's destined for the landfill and what maybe is being made in a more responsible way. Are you seeing an uptick in searches for items like that? Yeah, I would say even before the pandemic and especially now, I think people are very mindful of that. And it's definitely something that we're seeing with the younger generation is that people, I mean, it's the same concept as why we push for the quality things that people are gonna use long-term. It's that we wanna see less waste in the environment and the world. And I think a lot of people are on the same page with that and they want that and because they're buying a lot of things for their company and they, they don't want it to go to waste so we're definitely seeing requests um, for eco-friendly people want to make sure that it's manufactured in an ethical way um, so it definitely is on people's minds and uh, so we always make sure to have a, a big variety of products that can kind of or we're, we're working on it, even expanding even further our selection of products that kind of hit that gotcha so, Jeremy, one of the things that Amazon has been dinged with, I would say, over the past year is their um, their wasteful packaging. Like, for example, I could order three mascaras and they come in like a box that's crazy big. So have, do you guys are you guys mindful of that, the way that you package your items? Because that seems to be, again, tying in with the eco um, bent. That seems to be a, a criticism that online entities are being, you know, hit with. Yeah, 100%. And it's not even just on the eco side, it's it's as a business, you don't want to be packaging things uh, in a wasteful manner. So for us, we're super mindful of how we box things. Um, if somebody's making a distribution from our platform and they're sending out a notebook and a pen and a ball, it requires somebody at our fulfillment center to have to pick those products and package it up and make sure it fits into the right box size. So we have you know 20 plus different box sizes and variations that they could pick the right box size for the right products. Because mm -hmm. it's a real time, you can't necessarily prepare for those things. You know, Facebook will want to make a distribution of these three products, and then one time they want to make a distribution of this product. And a different company makes a different combination of products, and we have to have the right box sizes in the right time, in real time, to box it up in the right way. So we're we're constantly being mindful of not just as a business, we want to make sure that we're packaging it properly, so we don't get dinged in terms of over getting getting charged too much by UPS or FedEx or the other you know um, uh, shipping methods. But we also, for the for, for the environment, we want to make sure that we're, we're not being wasteful in every way. And, and as Josh mentioned before, our entire site, when we built this site from the ground up, 
the ideal was we didn't want to go to a trade show and get a product that ends up in the trash. That's like the worst thing that you could possibly do because it's costing the company money. It's tarnishing the brand. It's doing the exact opposite intention of what quality swag should be. But if you give somebody something of high quality, what do they say? They say, they say thank you. It's really such a powerful marketing medium if it's quality. If it's not quality, it does the exact opposite. So from the get-go, we wanted to offer, here's the top 20 versions of the notebooks. Here's the top 20 water bottles, top 20 pens, mugs, et cetera. It makes it really easy for people to know that every single thing that they're getting on our site is really, really high quality and that it's going to be kept. And a big thing that I think makes us a little bit different is that a lot of people in the promotional product space is all about, look at me, I'm a walking billboard. Those are the types of products that you want to give out. But for us, from the very get-go, it was all about giving products that we know people actually want to keep. It could be a pair of socks. It could be a mug. It could be just the person who's actually receiving it. It's for them. It's for them to feel a connection to your brand. It's for them to see it every day. And ultimately, they'll become an evangelist for your company. So you don't have to always shove down certain products that make them be your walking billboard. You could do other types of products. But at the end of the day, it always comes back to the one main thing. It's literally when Josh and I were starting this business six years ago, we kept discussing it. What's like the number one principle? And it was quality. As we kept coming back to it, it's always it has to be quality from day one. Sure. You know, it's funny you say that, Jeremy. It reminds me a little bit. When I first started going to the European promo shows about 20 years ago, one of the first things I noticed was their logo placement, very subtle, very tiny. It was like Americans' logos were like in your face. You know what I mean? The bigger, the better. And and their point was, and we have, you know, nicely caught on to this, is that, you know, if you want people to keep something and keep wearing it, you know, bigger isn't always better, you know, to, to, yeah. to your point, to kind of ram it down to people's faces, you know, sometimes it's subtle and put the logo maybe here on the, the cap brim and not like a logo in the middle of, it, of the chest of your shirt, you know? Yeah, I think it also looks better. Like, it's like when you see high-end premium brands, like you want like a clean feel to it and I think. We're seeing that trend also. And by the way, it was a very good question about the the boxes and being efficient with the boxes, because that's not just in promo, but I think in general in e-commerce, shipping the right size box for the right package is is a very complex thing logistically and something that we're really focused on. So when we first launched our distribution, it was one of the things that we noticed wasn't always efficient. And over the last six months, we've been really honed in to make it as efficient as possible. So you don't have a, like a bottle and, and a box the size of uh, 10 bottles, but it, it's a challenge and it's something that we're, we're constantly auditing and improving on. So that's great. Thank you. Thank you. So from six years ago, when it was just, I'm sure you two, like a, a very kind of great origin story of, of an entrepreneurial tech company to now, how have you, how many people do you guys have working at swag.com or with swag.com? Yeah. So when we started, it was just me and Josh for the first few years. Honestly, we were, um, you know, the CEO and uh, head of marketing, head of sales, head intern. We were delivery drivers. We did everything. And you have to be in your early days. Right. We're, we're about 38 people um, in New York area. Um, and we have two designers in London and 18 developers in Ukraine. Gotcha. Gotcha. And you two, it's so funny. Your personalities are so perfect for two like entrepreneurial guys. I mean, Jeremy, I know you're you're typically the one who's more outward facing and you typically are the more. And, you know, Josh, you're the guy who keeps the trains on the tracks. And, you know, and that's just perfect, I think, for your personalities. It's just, you know, it works well. Yeah, I think when we were starting the business, um, it made a lot of sense. Obviously, Josh is a good friend of mine from for many years before, but it made sense. It, it, and, I, and I, I feel very passionate about this. And a lot of people get this wrong when they're starting a business. They usually do a business with their friend and usual friend groups are exactly the same. And then they have the same interests and then they start fighting over the same things. And 
I, from the very beginning, it made a lot of sense for me and Josh. Our personalities are so different, and we have different interests, frankly. It's like the front end, the brand, the user experience, the design of the platform itself is 100% in my wheelhouse. And the stuff that is Josh is taking control over, I would be horrible at. You know, he's he's managing <laughs> the suppliers and the relationships and the, all those, the, the back end. So, like, it's really not even just our personalities, as you're seeing right here, but it's even just the product itself. Like, the front end, you know, we say, I do the front end, and Josh is taking care of the back end. Yeah, it's not it's not just that our personalities are different, because that's, that's, I think, a good, um, I guess, it, it helps that, that we're both very different with skills because we don't have that overlap in terms of, you know, stepping on each other's toes. So I'll handle, you know, the back end and the finance and things like that. Um, but I think what we have that is in common is is really just this drive to want to grow a business. And we both have always been in the entrepreneurial mindset and wanting to start something and, and are really passionate about what we're doing. So even though like our skill set's different, um, I think that binding glue is is the is the most important thing and i think it's just an extra plus that we have these complementary um personalities and skills so i gotta say josh who josh before we started recording everybody josh shared with me that this was his first video podcast interview and you're doing great oh thank you you (laughs) (laughs) You what's that you gave away my secret Um, I have another question, it seems to me, you know, how you guys are are different than a more traditional distributor who's brick and mortar. I would imagine because, again, of the data that you're able to collect in real time, that you're able to see product trends changing daily. Mm -hmm. And how... How nimble are you? How adaptable? How how agile at changing what's on the site? So, for example, if you start seeing an uptick in purple drinkware bottles, you know, you know, are you able to adjust what's being offered or what you're touting, what you're promoting that quick? Yeah, yeah. we definitely we definitely can, and we we can analyze not only what's happening in the whole space, but when people go to our site and they're searching. We could track all the searches on our site and we could decide which products we want to feature over others. Um, but what makes our site really good is that we give all the controls in the hands of customers. So we have a really amazing filter where they can narrow it down by price point and colors and production time and all those things. And they can really refine it and find exactly what they're looking for. And also the products on our site, we're, it's very curated. So we're not offering thousands upon thousands of each thing, like top 20. So we do slight adjustments based on the popularity of some products, but it doesn't have to be so drastic, if you will, because it's really, we're really curating what our team believes is the most popular, what's the best quality, and we're very mindful of the stuff that we're offering to customers. Um, At the same time, we don't necessarily even care as much about what's hot now. It's not really our prerogative. Our prerogative is making sure what we're offering is the quality, most quality, what we think that you should want. And obviously, if we're getting a lot of Frankly, even more than the data that we're seeing of people search for things, it's really customers telling us. If they don't see what they're looking for on the site, they're going to let us know, and then we'll source it, vet it, test it, and then get it to our site. So I think our entire site is really trying to listen to the customers and figure out what they really want, and then figuring out the right products to offer them to make sure that they have everything they need. So let me ask you this. You mentioned price points. So in in the in the um, the block of time during the pandemic, so let's let's just say 15 months, did you see price point searches change? Were people being more selective about their products and maybe going for more expensive things? Maybe um, not as many kits, but more expensive items, or were they going for lower prices and more kits? 
Yeah, I think it was an interesting time period. And I think the companies in the beginning of the pandemic that were ordering were the ones that were fortunate to be doing well and, you know, bigger, more um, companies that had, I guess, reserves or they were more stable. And they were ordering for their employees mostly for company culture. Um, so they had um, basically were able to order products that they wanted their teams to be um, to feel good about. So I would say that it, it didn't really change the dynamic of what they were ordering because they were still going for that quality and you know, mm -hmm. I wouldn't say expensive things, but things that were were substantial that their employees would actually feel a culture boost with. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it didn't really change much initially. And then as the pandemic kind of, there were different phases, but as the pandemic kind of dragged on longer than I think many of us thought, um, certain companies started to do better or thrive or not thrive at different stages. And then we saw different um, data sets for that. But initially the, the things kind of stayed the same. It was just a lot less ordering, but a similar sure. kind of price point and, and types of products. Gotcha. That makes sense. It does, it does. Jeremy, um, this is kind of like a like a big overarching question. What are your and and happy to Josh, you chime in too. What are your wish list goals for the company? You said you always want to keep innovating. You always want to keep growing. Yeah. You know? So if you were to name like one to three goals that you know you and Josh have for the next couple of years, what would they be? Yeah, I think for us, it's just continuing and developing and never getting, you know, never feeling like we've made it or we've never feel like we actually built the right platform. There's so much that we can learn. And I was even just talking to our, our CTO half an hour before this call and we're saying every day there's just more things that we still want to build and get better at. Um, our business from the very get-go was to really automate the buying experience. From day one, it was making the experience for customers to easily find what they're looking for, design it, and buy it. That was the first get-go. And then as we were going from 2016 to 17, we started to see a shift of work-from-home culture. Then it became, well, now that we built this really great experience for purchasing a swag, how do we audit, how do we allow them to easily distribute the swag? And then it became, okay, well, now we need to build this whole distribution platform and this management platform. And then as you launch one thing, you always learn from customers what you still need to build or what's missing or how to make the experience better. So really always just listening to our customers and keep building on what, upon what they say. I think the next phase of the business is going to be automating the distribution. That's really kind of where we see the future going. If you could easily allow somebody to buy a thousand t-shirts, which we have now, and now allowing the people to easily send a thousand t-shirts to a thousand different addresses, which we have now, what if you could programmatically make it where somebody places an order on the Shopify site and they spend over $1,000 and it automatically triggers a notification to ping our system and now we send them a thank you box in the mail. Or somebody's five-year anniversary, it automatically sends them a swag box in the mail. Or one-year anniversary, or somebody just had a baby, or somebody's birthday, or any reason why you want to send somebody swag. What if you could actually automate the distribution? Now that we have the distribution platform set up, this next phase of automating distribution, which could be used for not just internal needs, like office managers or HR managers, yeah. is for marketing teams. You know, somebody hasn't placed an order in three months. Somebody placed $50,000 worth of orders. Like there's different kind of triggers that you could set that will automated, automatically send swag and reward these people. Um, that's kind of where we see the business going, the industry going, and where we are personally going. And that right there, Jeremy is why I'm kind of fascinated with you guys. That kind of thinking I, I find super interesting and um, the kind of stuff that gets me excited about the future of the industry, really. Josh. Yeah, I think it's just you know, to 
to basically double down on what Jeremy said, it's we started with the basically providing seamless experience and quality products. And I think this is kind of an extension of that and taking it to the next level. And I think the automation part is super exciting. And there's so many use cases. There's really like unlimited use cases for it. And even we have probably like 10 pages worth of, of features and things that we want to build out, probably a year's worth of development, um, just future thinking stuff. And just for example, something that kind of I would use right now if we had it available and it's something that's in the pipeline. So we have a payroll provider called JustWorks and it basically has all of our employees and our payroll goes through it. So imagine there was like a setting where whenever it's someone's birthday, you can just press a button and then it automatically will send them a swag kit in the mail on their birthday or if they just onboarded and you want to have a welcoming kit. So it's all those kind of, once we kind of automate the actual purchasing and distribution of the swag, and that's a refined process, which we're, we're pretty much, you know, at the point where that's happening. It's it's making this, the experience of all the other functions that you do with Swag more seamless. So the way that it, like an office manager would have to send out Swag to their mm -hmm. employer now, it's, it's very cumbersome. If they wanted to know when it's someone's birthday and then send something out, it's a lot of manual work. And we're just trying sure. to cut all that out of the industry um, as much as possible. That's that's amazing. Um, quick question for the two of you. So what what sites, not industry, just in general, what consumer sites are you really impressed by? Like Josh, if I had to name one, one for each of you, which would you go, well, they've really got it. Consumer sites? Yep. That's a good question. So I know Jeremy doesn't shop online at all, so I have to. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I don't, I've never, I, I don't shop really online. I'm not a, a consumer. If you will, like I, I like if I'm gonna buy, well, if I'm gonna purchase things, um, I'll go online to buy stuff. But I'm just not a big, I don't need a lot of stuff, so I'm not a big shopper. I would say that. So I don't, I don't no, buy. You know, you know, Jeremy, cool sites and what they can do and what that. So like, has has any site you've ever bought been on kind of really impressed you and you thought, wow, this is this is something special. Um. It's more about just the brand and feel of how you tell a story through. So for when we were starting Swag, I wanted, when I was designing it, I'm trying to think of like our logo and our branding and how we're positioning it. I looked at sites that had nothing to do with the promotional product space. I looked at actually, my biggest inspiration for designing it was Kit. Um, and Kit is a really cool brand. It's, it's, it's actually products I, I personally own. And I just like the, their story. When you go to Kit, it just somehow feels really cool. It feels like yeah. I wanted to bring that same um, vibe and experience to the promotional product space because you don't really think of promotional products and cool. It just doesn't typically go hand in hand. And I thought that there's just there's a lot of really cool products that could be, and it it, it should be cool. Like why is swag not cool? It should be cool. Like it's it brings people together. It, it you know combines around a shared mission. So we want to feel like this whole brand of not exclusivity, if you will, but but of quality, really a premium of quality. It doesn't have to be expensive. It could be very inexpensive stuff, but it at least has to feel quality and it has to be quality. And I wanted to craft that brand. Um, in, time, in, time, in terms of user experience, I would say, you know, not the most beautiful site, but Amazon is, is the greatest site ever. You press one button and it sells. So obviously those things, we're trying to automate our site to be on that level, you know, really try to streamline as much as possible. I think, um, but yeah, in terms of e-commerce experiences, there's not that many shops I typically buy on. So <laughs> I was stalling to come up with something, but I think I thought of something. Um, okay. so what's what's unique, I think, about us, and it's there's really nothing that kind of hits the two boxes. It's we're kind of like we sell predominantly to businesses, 
and but we have that kind of b2c feel where you're shopping like you would shop you know just a regular product but you're really buying something for your business so there's not a lot that does that but i actually got a mortgage um through better better.com there's like a very seamless platform it's kind of like that b2b type of transaction because you're getting your mortgage but they walk you through the whole process it's more of a portal than like an e-commerce experience but it's definitely something that uh i would say is like a a really good experience and there's not there's not a lot out there that's kind of just beyond like the shopify purchasing yeah uh, so i think that's what makes us unique and also you know sites like that things that are complex complex transactions to make it simple i think that's that those are kind of the the future of, of e-commerce for sure and michelle i don't know if we this is the best answer <laughs> maybe we cut this question out because we're so we're not the online shoppers no, I think, it, I think it's great, though, here because here's what I would say about Amazon. I mean, yes, they may be functional, but your site is way more aesthetically oh, yeah. pleasing than Amazon, you know, like you guys have nailed that, you know. And that was that was that was, we were very mindful of that. I mean, yeah. from the get go, it was like trying to craft this really strong brand. And how do you tell a story through a brand? You know, and we wanted and this is kind of the discussion we had. We always want to turn offline conversations to online purchasing. That was like the, the big idea from the get go. And when you're when you're browsing online, and you see a pair of shoes on the Facebook ad. It's impulse, right? And you're you yep. purchase right away. But with B two B, there's no real impulse purchasing. No one's just buying ten thousand dollars worth of swag on a whim. You have to have a use case for it. You need for it. So what we needed to do from the get go was get people to see our brand and remember it and stay on top of mind. Nine months later, eight months later, whenever somebody gets their boss saying, "Hey, we should buy some swag," I want them to remember swag.com and it's not just the name, it's not just how memorable it is, but it's it's also the design, the aesthetic. If they go to the site, they have to remember how different we feel than every other company that they've ever seen. So that was that's kind of the big thing. And then and, and by the way, it's amazing for us in terms of marketing as well, because you get a lot of people coming to our site with having to pay for them, right? Because they just remember it and they're typing directly into the browser. So and there, Mr. Parker, is the ending that I was looking for. That right there was the perfect wrap-up. <laughs> <laughs>